Welcome to the Knox Podcast, featuring a sermon from the pulpit of Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Psalm 119 is the largest chapter in the Bible. This chapter is longer than the entire books of Obadiah, Jude, and 2 John. 176 verses. 22 stanzas. 2,500 words. The length is indeed intimidating. But it is rich and worthy of study and emulation. In today's sermon, the second in the series, When a Real God Meets a Real Life, entitled, Just Passing Through This Life, Pastor Justin reminds us that this life is only a journey, that our final destination is eternity with Jesus Christ, and that God promises to help us reach our final destination through His Word, that we call, the Bible. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 119. Okay, on page 599, in your pew Bibles, Psalm 119, we'll be reading verses 17 through 32 today. Let's rise as we hear God's word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. For I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes are plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight, they are my counselors. My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me underway, understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how precious are your words. More precious than silver, more precious than gold. For they are life, they are correction, they are teaching. They're a window into the God that we worship and the God who adores us. Lord, may we learn from this passage today. May you brighten our heart with a delight and understanding of the scripture that we just read. Be with us this morning in your name. Amen. Please have a seat. My dad did not mess around when it came to road trips at all. When we went on, we always went on these super long road trips as a kid. We're talking like 20, 30 hour long. Let's drive to South Dakota today. Why not? Uh, Let's go down to, you know, go down to Florida. And so his strategy was we were up and we were in that car when it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And we would drive straight 21 hours until we got to where we wanted to be. If we were lucky, we'd get one rest stop at somewhere along the way, you know, 
low bathroom break. But we did not go for side activities. We did not like go, oh, look at that. That looks interesting. Let's stop there for a while. My dad was on a mission, and he did not want to stop until he got where he wanted to be. And of course, now I'm totally like that as well. Maybe I'm not as strict. We do stop for some fun things when we go on road trips. But I'm never really content. I'm never really happy and satisfied until I'm at my destination, until the GPS counts us down to the zero-mile marker. The journey, I think, can always be fun. It can be meaningful. But the real satisfaction, the real purpose, lies in the final stop. That's the biggest attractions. If I'm going to Disney World, I don't want to stop at Bob's Gator Farm. I want to get right to the rides. I want to have a good time. And I was thinking of that this week when I read Psalm 119, verse 19. When he wrote this phrase, he said, I am a sojourner on this earth. And I love that phrase. That's a fun word, sojourner. I know we use it so often in our daily conversation. But if you've never even heard of it, you don't know what it is. A sojourner is a temporary resident. It's somebody who says, I'm just passing through. I'm here for a while, but I'm not here forever. And there are a whole lot of people, I think, that feel like sojourners in this world for a good reason. And that reason is, as Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's our final destination. So the, the psalmist here last week, as we started out Psalm 119, this giant psalm that we have dedicated, well, I've dedicated on your behalf, our summer to studying, he made the choice to follow God. And now he has a very specific destination where he wants to be. That is where I want to be. I want to be with God. He's heading to his home one day at a time. His eyes are fixed on that arrival. The world may say to us, may say to him, hey, you only have one life to live, so live it up. Have fun now. YOLO, that was a phrase back in the day. You only live once, right? You only live once, so make the most of it. Live for your happiness. Live for your own personal joy. But God reframes our perspective when he says, no, your citizenship, your final destination is not here it's in the life to come. That the destination, not the journey, is the true reward. It kind of flips the script on everything. The destination is our true reward. So how can we make progress on that journey? How do we start seeing ourselves today as sojourners in this world instead of that this world is our full destination? Well, I think this passage has a lot to teach us in that regard. Last week, we, we read that the psalmist made a decision that relatively few people make, even today, a decision to follow God. There's that old folk hymn back in the day, I have decided to follow Jesus. We all learned it as a kid, right? No turning back. No turning back. I have decided. I've made that decision. So he says, after evaluating all of the options in front of me, that is the decision I'm going with. That is my choice. I will follow God all the days of my life. But as we all know, making a choice is easy. Carrying it through, that's the rub. So how can we, how can he travel through a world, be a sojourner going through a world that denies God left and right? 
that keeps telling you, hey, get off track. Live for the now. Live for yourself. Make it all about you. Well, we need instructions. We need directions. If you're on a journey, you're going to get nowhere really fast if you don't have directions. Back in the day, it used to be an atlas. Then it was MapQuest, and now we've got it on our phone, right? We have directions sitting in front of us. We need that personal revelation in our life as well. We need something in front of us to guide us day by day, step by step, through all the challenges, all the choices, all the temptations that life has for us. And that is why the psalmist prays this. He says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. You have to ask yourself, why is he praying that? Doesn't he have the scriptures right in front of him? Isn't he already reading them? Why does he ask God to open his eyes? I mean, if you're reading something, presumably your eyes are open. So why is he praying this? Several years ago, I had a youth group girl. We're in the middle of youth group. She had grown up in the church her whole life, and she just broke down right in the middle of, of our talk, and she got kind of angry. She says, I don't get it. The Bible is so boring, Pastor Justin. I'm reading it. I've been reading it my whole life. I don't get it at all. Why are we studying this? It's rule after rule and stories about all these people I don't know. And she thought I was going to go off on her. You know, how dare you get out of here? You're forever exiled. And I told her, I get it. I used to be just like you. And in fact, everybody used to be right where you are right now, where you can read the Bible, but you're not really reading it. You're just seeing the words. It means nothing to you. And that's for a good reason. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that everybody has a veil over their eyes that keeps them from the truth of God's word. It's like a spiritual veil. And we don't have a lot of people who are even in mourning these days who wear a veil in front of their eyes. But it darkens things. It blurs the details in front of you. And Paul says, you have that veil over your eyes until when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Open my eyes. Let me see clearly. Reading the Bible is, I don't want to say completely useless. There is a use to it for the non-believer. But it's almost useless until God gives you that spark to truly understand it, to open your eyes. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. He opens your spiritual eyes. He takes away the veil. Suddenly you're reading the Bible on a completely different level. You realize that this is not just a book of rules and dates and facts and, and sayings that mean nothing to you, but rather this is God's rescue mission to rescue you and a declaration of love, of how much he loves you and what he went through to see his mission through for you. That starts to get really exciting. And I love seeing that light bulb go off over people's uh, uh, heads and they suddenly realize the Bible isn't just abstract, but it is very personal, very relevant, and something that will guide their life forevermore. The psalmist has God's word in front of him. He has those directions, but until his eyes are open, he won't be able to follow them. He won't fully understand the truths and the promises in the word of God. 
So he prays for the Spirit to open his eyes that he may understand the wonderful things out of your law. Wonder leads him to comb the pages of Scripture, looking for directions on this journey. And that's why he says in Psalm 119, verse 19, I am a sojourner on this earth. What does he say next? Hide not your commandments from me. Because if those commandments are hidden, if he still has that veil in front of him, he's in the dark. And it changes everything. He has no conviction of sin. He has no knowledge of who God is, of who the character of God is. He has no blueprint for the gospel, no call to grace, no assurance of the salvation that is promised to him. So it is the cry of his heart, he says right here, that God would show him, open his eyes, rather than mask these revelations that he craves. The Bible can be wonderful to you, but only if you have somebody to open its wonders to you. And that is the Holy Spirit. I can stand up here and preach to I'm blue in the face. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for you. But the Spirit can come into your heart and make it alive and wonderful and illuminate every single word until instead of reluctantly flipping the pages, you are turning them like it's a page turner. You can't wait to see what happens next. Because this is God's word for you. So pray that God will open your eyes to his word. Because that is a prayer that God always answers. He wants you to understand his word. He wants the follower to have those clear directions in front of you. He doesn't want you to stumble around in the dark and he'll point and laugh at you. He wants you to have the clarity of his scripture. But as we sojourners know... This isn't an easy life to pass through, even if you do have directions. As much as we would like to be in the pain-free carpool lane of life, we often seem like we hit every pothole, every uh, leaky radiator, every blown tire. My wife had yet another blown tire this morning. I don't know what's going on with that, but it's happening. Every fender bender possible that hits your life. Okay, that analogy just went completely off the rails. But you understand how it goes. You don't have an easy way through this life. There's no guarantee of it. And sprinkled into today's reading are several mentions of hardships that the author has in his life, trying to sidetrack his journey. In verse 22, he speaks of non-believers having scorn, mocking him for loving the word of God. Verse 23 he says, and I turn around and people are plotting against me. They're coming up with plans against me to do something bad to me. And then a few verses later, he says, my soul is clinging to dust. That can't be a good thing, whatever that means. It's clinging to dust. It's melting away from sorrow. Maybe some of you are nodding. You're like, I've been there. I've been, my soul is melted from sorrow. You can't read this and deduce Logically, that the Christian life is free from hard times. In fact, I think of it a lot like those drug commercials we see on TV. You've seen those? Where they're like, man, this drug will cure everything for you. And you're looking at these wonderful images of people playing with their dog in the park and people sitting and sipping lemonade on their front porch. And then it happens. The announcer comes on. says, this drug will do terrible things to you. 
And for the next minute, he'll read out every single side effect that this drug could do. And I'm just listening with widening eyes, like all these horrible side effects, and thinking, why would anybody take this drug? Why in the world? You know, why in the world would somebody want their nose to violently explode and their fingernails to turn blue and anything else that they come up in these drug commercials? And it's just like, wow. But isn't that life? Isn't life full of side effects we wish we didn't have? Wish God was to just say, hey, join the Christian lifestyle, free and easy, no problems whatsoever, enjoy the rest of your life. Yeah, we might wish that, but that's not how it goes. Maybe the Bible would sell a lot more copies, be a lot less offensive to people, if it promised you nothing but good times. But then what would happen? The first time you hit hardship in your life, you look at this book that just promised you nothing but good times, and you say, you are a liar. I'm not going to trust you anymore. Whereas we get the Psalms now, and the psalm says it's going to be hard, but the good news is that you'll have help getting through these hard times. As a psalmist depended upon God to open his eyes to the directions, now he's depending on God like we might depend on AAA to help change a spare tire. He's depending on God to help him through these hard patches in his life. He says, take away, Lord, take away the constant attacks by others. Give me life according to the promises that are in your word. One of my personal heroes is Corey Ten Boom. And man, if anybody knew how hard the journey through life could get, it was this Holocaust victim and this survivor where her entire family was killed by the Nazis and she alone survived after many years in a concentration camp. And years later, Corey Tim Boom, if you've never listened to her, oh man, you're in for a treat. Go back and listen to her, some of her interviews. First of all, she has this thick Dutch accent that makes everything sound super serious, but at the same time very passionate and you want to pay attention. But also the things she says are hard-earned lessons. And she shares them. And she said this, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world full of you not being able to do much of anything. You enter into God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible, she said. Nothing is too great for his almighty power, and nothing is too small for his great love. He specializes in the impossible when you go to prayer. Because so quickly do we come to the limits of what we can control. So quickly and what we can manage in our lives. But we never do seem to find the end of what God can handle. The wise sojourner looks to the Lord Jesus and prays for grace to handle the hardships of life. Verse 17 says, Deal bountifully with your servant. Deal bountifully. Now, we have another word for that that we like to use. It's called grace. Lord, give me grace. Deal bountifully, not meagerly, not adequately, bountifully with me to get me through this hardship. Because sometimes life is too much on our own. In fact, I'd argue that almost all the time, life is too hard on our own. 
And we're going to get plowed under, and we're going to find ourselves in a well of depression. We're going to find ourselves struggling to handle everything without the unmerited favor that only Jesus Christ can provide for us. Only he can deal bountifully with us as we are dealing with life's side effects. However, we wouldn't know that this grace was available if we didn't read it on every page of the Bible. That's why we've got to open our eyes, why we need that. To make it through these hard parts of the journey, pray for those blessings from God. Say, Lord, today, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but I need your grace. I need your favor. I need you to deal bountifully with your servant today so that I can get through today and do you proud. Pray for that. Of course, as anybody who's ever been on a long trip knows, there usually comes a moment that you get hopelessly, irrevocably lost, even in today's GPS age. In fact, technology sometimes lies to you, doesn't it? Back in 2019, there was a glitch with Google Maps. A lot of people use Google Maps. And on that day, everybody who was going to Denver International Airport was redirected by Google Maps to the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. Dozens after dozens of cars were just following each other, blindly following these false directions, and they ended up in a field full of mud. And these cars started sinking in the mud. They got stuck, and hundreds of cars suddenly started calling tow truck services, and they were so far away from the airport. They were led a false way. And I think of that when I read these verses and how it talks about false ways and how we can so easily get led off track. We think we're going the right way. Sometimes we even say we have the arrogance. Verse 21, the psalmist talks about arrogant people, insolent people who assume they know the way. I've got it. No, don't need to look at directions. Okay, let's not just look at the men here. Sometimes women are like that too. But I don't need the directions. I know how to get through my life. I know what's the right thing to do, and I'm going to give you advice how to live, and I'm going to be a self-help person for myself. They think they know the way until they're sinking in the middle of mud, in the middle of nowhere. False ways lead us off track all the time. And it's not just unbelievers who take bad directions. The psalmist worries himself. He says, I'm worrying in verse 29, I'm worrying myself about falling into a false way. Because I know it's going to happen sooner or later. I am still sinful. I am still not perfect. I am fallible. I'm going to fall into those traps of sin. And I'm worried about it. That's what keeps him up at night. Not the hardships he's going to have to go through, but the things that will take him far away from the God he loves. So once again, and this is going to be a common refrain throughout all of Psalm 19, once again, he depends on God for help. He says, Lord, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Lord, get rid of those temptations. Get rid of everything that would sidetrack me from following you, from getting to my destination, from getting to where I want to go, which is to be with you. Take away everything that would shame me so that I can live in a way that would please you. The Christian who sincerely makes the decision to follow Jesus cannot afford to fall into the false ways of this world. We can't afford to assume that we will just somehow on our own 
make all the right choices for the rest of our life. We need help. We need somebody to come along and show us in our sin that we are going a false way. And hopefully we have the humility to say, Lord, correct me. Show me the right way. That's why we have to search the scriptures so that they can search us. Never ever forget that Hebrews tells us that the Bible is living and active. What does that mean? It means when we read the Bible, the Bible is reading us. And I'm not speaking metaphorically. The Bible reads us. It searches our hearts. It convicts us of our sin. It corrects us of the wrong ways we've been thinking and puts us on the right ways. And as it does that, it's amazing how God brings to surface all of the lies that we've been suckered into believing. And so many times I come across passages and it challenges things that I think I believed as truth ever since I was a kid. And the Bible says, no, you've been believing a lie for the last 30 years. But this, now you can believe the truth. It convicts us to repent and then ask God to graciously teach us his law. In other words, Lord, show me the right way again. You put those directions in front of me. I got off track. Lord, show me the directions again. And this time I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. It's all well and good to make a decision to follow Jesus in your life. But a smart sojourner who's only here for a little while knows that we need help to get through this journey right. So pray that God opens your eyes to understanding his directions. Pray that God gives you the grace to endure the hard times in the trip. And pray that God gets you back on track when you fall for the false ways and you get off track. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our final destination is with the Lord Jesus Christ. We will never be fully satisfied until we're there. So if you don't feel fully satisfied right now, there's a reason for that. So work hard with Jesus who is working hard in return to get you to where you want to be. Lean on him. Depend on him. And trust the directions he's given you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the conviction that Psalm 119 gives us today. Lord, may we just bow down before you and say we don't know the way on our own. We can't make all the right decisions. We can't be good people without you. We can't just somehow stumble our way toward heaven. Lord, we need you in your grace, in your mercy, in your goodness to show us, to guide us, to give us grace, and to correct us. Lord, may we listen. May we have ears to hear today. May we trap these words inside of us and let them not just pass out of our heads, but hold on to them, believe them, live them. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can listen to other sermons on our website at knoxepc.com forward slash sermons. To reach out to Knox Church or request prayer, send an email to pastor at knoxepc.com or send a text to our prayer hotline at 833-240-1824. The number to text prayer requests to again is 833-240-1824. Please include the word pray in your request. You may write to us at Knox Church, 
2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York 14217. Our YouTube channel can be found at youtube.com forward slash at Noxie PC. Thank you again for joining us.